Amen. Children, you are dismissed. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let's be in prayer for one another. A lot of flu going around. A lot of people away home sick today. And uh, Mom and Frank went home sick. And they're going to watch on. They were here for Sunday school. Then they left and said they're going to watch online. I don't know how about, about the rest of you, but for them, that's a bit of an adventure. And so I will find out if they are watching online because I'll get in trouble for that comment right there. But they, got a, they bought a new TV, and it's a smart TV. Problem is, some of these smart devices are smarter than us. And so we'll see if they can figure that out this morning. And tomorrow's Frank's birthday, so happy birthday, Frank, and I hope that you're feeling better for tomorrow. Well, let's take our Bibles, John chapter 1. Next Sunday, we're going to start a Sunday morning series called Glory Touching Earth. We're going to talk about God's glory for the four uh, Sundays up through Christmas Sunday. And then uh, on Sunday evenings, we're going to have another series called The Characters of Christmas. And so each one of our staff will take one of those topics and they're going to preach on a different character of Christmas, the shepherds, the wise men, you know, such like that. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve will be the Christ child. And so we look forward to that series starting next week. And so uh, because of that series, I wanted to start this morning by giving you a bit of a Christmas challenge, a challenge that you can take through the month of December. And I hope that it'll just kind of provoke and light a fire a little bit about how we must bear witness of the light, that we must tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's look today at John chapter one. Let me ask you, how many of you have started your Christmas shopping Go ahead. Some, some have, all right. Black Friday kind of helps with that, gets it kick-started. How many of you have finished your Christmas shopping? A oh, couple, some have, all right. How many of you men don't know if you've started or finished your Christmas shopping? All right. I usually know when the bank account is empty, then I know she's finished. And so I'll tell you what, we have, every year we have a budget. We say, okay, this is what we'll spend on each kid, you know, and usually it's a gift and a gift card kind of thing because they're adults and they want to get their own little things. And, and so how many of you know budgets go out the window when you have grandkids? She's been picking stuff up all year and tucking it away. And, and uh, probably next July, I'll find some of those things still in the closet somewhere. And, uh, but that's just, man, I'm telling you, that changes everything. John chapter 1. But I am looking forward to the Christmas season. And what a great opportunity as we come into the Christmas season to share Christ, honestly. And uh, a few years ago, I was in uh, Canadian Tire, and I was checking out, and I left, and I said to the cashier, uh, Merry Christmas. And she said, we don't say that here, sir. And I turned, and I looked at the largest sign in Simcoe that says, Canada's Christmas Store. Uh, good night. Uh, your boss is okay with it. Why aren't you? And, and so, I, I mean, I am not offended. If somebody were to say to me some greeting from somebody, it wouldn't offend me. So why would it offend them? We say Merry Christmas. I, I want you to, to pray for some, so somebody. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll just go ahead and say his name. His name is Sahin. He's a uh, Muslim man. He, he's the pharmacist over at Walmart. And I talk to him quite frequently, and he is very open and he loves to tell me about, he went over and he did the Hajj. Now that's the journey to Mecca. Hundreds of kilometers through the desert, 40 degrees Celsius. He did that in devotion to his God. And so he, he shared that with me and I can share with him anytime. And he smiles and he's happy. And, and when I see him now, he says, Merry Christmas. He doesn't even practice Christmas. 
But we get so offended. The world gets so offended. And here, I want you to pray for him that he might come to the Christmas cantata and we might see Sahin come to the know of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a joyful, cheerful man. And I always enjoy spending some time and talking with him. And he'll always, he'll just stop what he's doing and, and spend some time with you and talk with you. And so pray for him. And I'd appreciate that. So John chapter 1, John chapter 1 this morning. And uh, because we're, we, we have the characters of Christmas, that John the Baptist is not one of them. So we're going to look a little bit at him this morning. And I want you to see in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. I want you to notice the, the qualifiers of each of the times it says light in the Bible. It's either the light or that light. It's not sp speaking of some, some large unknown being, it's speaking specifically of a person. You know, there's, there's those groups out there today, uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and things like that, and they'll talk about your higher power. Grasp that higher power, or I believe in a supreme being, or I believe that there is a light out there somewhere. No, we are talking about the light, Jesus Christ. We are talking about that light, Jesus Christ, and that is who the Bible always professes. Now look at verse uh, 9. That was, look at this, the true light. The true light. There's a lot of things out there that will draw your attention and draw you to the light but this is the light, that light, and it is the true light. Years ago, there was a lady out in front of uh, Faith Baptist Church in Hamilton on Parkdale Avenue, and our doors opened right to the sidewalk. And so we were in a right downtown ministry, a lot of homeless people and, and drug addicts would come in. In the wintertime, they'd come and sit in church just to get warm. And so this lady would wander, and we started to notice she'd go from that light pole to that light pole, then back to that light pole, then back to that, and she just went back and forth in front of the church between two light poles. And so one day when she was a little bit more lucid, you could see that she'd been on drugs and things, and, and Luis Jimenez went out and talked to her, and he tried to uh, talk to her about the Lord, and he could see that there was a little bit more light in her eyes, and that she was a little bit more sober, and so he began to speak to her, and he said, let me ask you something. He says, I saw you here a couple weeks ago, and you were just going from lamppost to lamppost, lamppost to lamppost, and he says, today, he says, you seem to be doing better, and she says, she said this, she says, there was a voice in the light that just kept saying, your hope is over here. No, your hope is over here. Your hope is over here. And, and she says, I just kept looking for help and looking for hope and going back and forth. And let me tell you this. The Bible says the devil can appear as an angel of a light, but it is a false light and it is a false hope. And without the Lord Jesus Christ, the world is in darkness and they desperately need Jesus. We are not talking about a light that offers hope. I, I tell you this, one night years ago, I was out with Antonio Duarte. We were up in, uh, on the, uh, in, uh, in, in Pembroke, Pembroke, Ontario, on the Ottawa River, and we went out fishing. And fishing was good. And so uh, Ms. Dr. Pipe had told us where to go on the river, and we went down to one space on the bend, and we found, man, the bass were hitting. 
And we were having a great time, and it started getting dark. It was September, and it was starting to get dark early, you know, up there in the north, a little bit earlier than here in the, and when it starts getting dark. And, and so we, we just kind of lost track of time, and we didn't realize all of a sudden it was one in the morning. We'd been fishing for hours and just enjoying it. And then we realized, how are we going to get back? How are we ever going to find the cottage in the dark along the shore? And so we realized that a lot of people up there will put Christmas lights on their balconies or on their decks that face the water so you can see which home is yours if you're out fishing in the night. And Antonio said, I, I remember last night when we were fishing, and just as we were coming in at dusk, he says, the neighbors had this pattern on there, and he said, I think I can see that. And so we looked, and what did we do? We watched for the light. We watched for the light to guide us home. Fishermen will tell you out on, on Lake Erie, they look for the lighthouse in a foggy day or in the darkness of night. It helps to steer away from the rocks and to draw you into home. And listen, friends, that's the light that is Christ Jesus. We must focus upon him Amen. if we're going to find our way home. Notice what the Bible says as we continue to read our passage this morning in verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. What a sad statement. He came unto his own and his own received him not, another sad statement. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you challenge our hearts today with this Christmas challenge, bearing witness of the light. Lord, I pray that you light a fire within us, Lord, that would help us to desire to go out and tell others about Jesus, to be a faithful testimony this Christmas season, to hand out a gospel track, to forward uh, the Christmas cantata email they received yesterday with the gospel message attached to it. God, there's just so many ways in this day and age that we can have an outreach. I pray we take advantage of it. But Lord, I pray that we would never let programs or pamphlets take the place of verbally telling somebody about Jesus. Help us to be faithful in our witness and our testimony. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. God, we need your help. May the Spirit of God speak to us and stir us and change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, the author, of course, is the Apostle John. And as he's writing of these events, he's writing as they've already taken place. Many, many years after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and asked him to pen these words. And so he wrote. And as he writes, he describes the reality of the world as he has seen it. I want you to think about this. This is not just a statement in the first several verses that we see that is, this is what is going to happen. John is saying this is what is taking place. That light came into the world and the darkness comprehended it not. I don't believe he is just saying that Jesus was born in a manger and everybody missed it. I don't believe he's saying that Jesus Christ walked on this earth for three and a half years and nobody noticed. 
I believe what he is saying now in his elder years that after years of preaching the gospel, he has seen time and time again how light shines through the darkness, but the darkness comprehends it not. How Christ came into the world, but nobody receives him. Oh, but as many as do receive him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. I've seen how the, the same light that so many have refused and, and that same hope that so many have turned away from and that same message of a crucified, risen Lord that so many have scoffed at, how it has changed the life of many others who just simply believe and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want you to notice some changes we see in the scripture. If you'll notice, first of all, in verse five, there's the story of those who do not believe. The Bible says, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There's a group of people there to be pitied. Those who just simply don't understand. They can't comprehend what they're seeing. They can't understand or believe in what Christ is doing. And then the Bible says, if you'll look down in verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Isn't that sad? For when the Lord Jesus Christ was in the world, he did all sorts of things that proved he was the Son of God. With signs and wonders, he convinced even some of the hardened hearts of the Pharisees, we think of Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and we think of, uh, of uh, uh, Joseph that came and took him from the cross and laid him in his tomb, another ruler of the Jews. And even the hardest of hearts were convinced. We're reminded of the Roman soldier that stood at the foot of the cross and said, surely this was the Son of God. So many were convinced, but so many more after having seen what Jesus Christ did, the Bible says they knew him not. It's one thing to not understand, but it's a whole other thing to reject what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing right before your eyes. Then the Bible says in verse 11, there's another group. Verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. What a sad day when those that you love and you came, by the way, he came to the Jew first. The Bible says he came to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was his first mission to reach to the Jewish people that through the Jews all the nations of the world would be blessed and Jesus Christ from theirs message would go out to a lost and dying world and thank God whosoever meaneth me. And that we can put our faith in Christ today because of what Jesus did, but his primary people were the Jews, and he came to his own, and his own received him not. But I want you to notice a change that takes place, and we see the effect on those who actually receive him. In verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Underline that phrase in your Bible, the sons of God. Those who refused to believe, the Bible says they knew him not, they received him not, they comprehended it not, but those that received Jesus Christ have the wonderful privilege to become the sons of God. Verse 13 says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of who? God. Not only are they sons of God, they are born of God. The Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We must be born of not only the flesh, but also the spirit. 
and be placed into the family of God as we are born again. And then we see verse 14, another wonderful privilege of receiving Christ and the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. And look what he says in parentheses, we beheld his glory. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The lost person can go out and see the wonderful beauty of this earth and all they do is look to a science book. But as a child of God, we can look to what all God has created and we can see the very glory of God. That's the difference of having Christ in your heart. God places you into his family. You are born again, born of God. You become a son of God and you see his glory. I want to say to you this morning, it is our job to help people get from verses 5 through 11 to verses 12 through 14. To help them to get from a place of not understanding and not seeing and rejecting Christ to a place where they can become sons of God by receiving this wonderful message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Here's the difference. The world says this, if I see it, I will believe it. If I see it, I will believe it. Let me give you some examples. Mark chapter 15, verse 32. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we, that we may see and believe. We'll believe he's the Christ. We will believe he's the King of Israel if he can come off that cross. They want to see signs and wonders. If we see it, we'll believe it. Jesus said in John chapter 4, then said Jesus unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. In John chapter 6, then said therefore unto him, or they said therefore unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? They want to see a sign. That God's economy is different than man's, and God says if you believe, then you'll see. You see, the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God begins to show you great and mighty things. He begins to unfold the wonders of the universe before us. Now, there are some things, obviously, that are still mysteries to us, and we do not have all knowledge to the day we arrive home. But for now, God begins to show us a spiritual insight that the world does not have because the carnal mind is at enmity with God. So God says, believe and you will see. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith, you believe it, and now it has substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. In John chapter 11, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? In John chapter 20, the risen Christ said this unto them, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. That's what faith is all about. Believing that the Lord Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried and rose again, even though we've never seen such a thing. But we believe the message of God because the Holy Spirit of God has bore witness with our heart that it is true. 
We have seen great and mighty things take place as a result. And if I could go around this room today, friend, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior, there are many in this room that will testify how real God is and how Christ has changed their life and brought them from a place of drunkenness or a place of drug addiction or a place of infidelity and immorality to a, to a glorious seating at the right hand of Jesus Christ where we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Oh, and the blessings that we could testify day to day. But you'll never know them until you receive Christ and become a son of God. It's so important that we share this message this Christmas season. People have changed so much. I, I, a couple weeks ago, I was looking for some Christmas cards. Do you know how hard it is to find Christmas cards that say Merry Christmas anymore? I don't even know why they call them Christmas cards. It says, happy holidays, wishing you the best in the new year. Have a happy holiday season. No, it's Christmas. Amen. Let's keep Christ right central in it. Amen. And so I was looking for those Christmas cards and found so many different messages and so many mixed messages. Friends, the church must not have a mixed message. Amen. We must be clear that we are here to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, to magnify his holy name. So how do we get people from one side to the other? How do we get them from unbelief and, 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 and get them to a place where they'll receive Jesus Christ? Well, I believe that John the Baptist has some answers for us. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, he says, The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Look what it says. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We must show them the glory of God present in the living Savior. Can they see the glory of Christ in your life? Matthew chapter 5 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Can they see Christ in you? Not just the Christ that came in a manger, but a crucified, risen Savior that has forgiven you of your sins and they can notice a change that has taken place in your life. Do we profess Christ? John the Baptist is inserted into this passage in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a, what's that next word? Witness. To bear witness of the light that all men through him, the light, not John, might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The Calvinists would like you to believe that only certain people will be saved. But my Bible says that that light lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every man in this world has the opportunity, every boy, girl, mom, and dad, male, female, doesn't matter who they are, they have an opportunity to have that light shine in their lives. They can meet the Lord Jesus Christ, and whether they receive or not, that is totally a part of their free will, but they can come to Jesus, and they can see the light that has been witnessed unto them. But friends, what about those in darkness who have never heard, that have never seen the light? John simply preached Jesus. That's what he did. The Bible says in verse 18, 
No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He says, nobody's seen God, except for the only begotten, except for Jesus Christ. And so John went about just preaching Jesus. Think about that. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. The Bible says, there's one that is coming after me, he uh, whose shoe latch and I'm unworthy uh, to unloose. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. His greatest joy was preaching Jesus, telling others about Christ. And with a telling verse of scripture, he said this, he must increase, but I must decrease. If you take anything this morning, take this. It is not about you. It's all about Christ. We will enjoy a lot this Christmas season. We'll get together with family. You might travel there. They might travel here. You'll share a meal together. You'll open gifts and exchange gifts. But let's never forget, it's not about you. It's all about Christ. That was John the Baptist's primary focus. And when it was time for him to fade off the scene, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. We are not of John. We are of Christ. So how did John the Baptist get people from point A to point B? How did he take people from those who comprehended not to those who received the blessed Son of God? He simply preached Jesus. I want to just give you three things quickly this morning just to remind you of what we are to be doing this Christmas season and all year round, by the way, of just simply preaching Jesus. Number one is this. There is a commission. There is a commission. We have a command. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, you all know the verse, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here's the good news. You will likely see more people in the next month than you see at any other time of the year. I, I, I was crazy enough. I went into a store on Black Friday, thronging with people. Last Saturday, my wife, my wife says, let's, let's go to Costco. You ever been to Costco on a Saturday? You are taking your life in your own hands. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And so it's just masses of people are out right now. They're shopping. Yesterday, I had to come into town, and, and I, as I was headed home, I went down Norfolk Street, and I saw family after family walking the streets with their children. And what I saw saddened me. They started at the park, I believe. Most, a lot of families looked like they parked up here at the park and they were walking through some of the things going on there. And as they were walking up the streets, I saw lineups in some of the stores. And I think they had some, maybe some sales on or they were giving cookies to kids and things like that. It was kind of a family thing going on. But they were walking all the way through town and when they got to the other town, do you know what the highlight was? Do you know where they were all assembling? To see Santa Claus. To sit on his lap and tell this mythical creature what they want for Christmas. Where are the lineups to come and see Christ? But here's the problem. 
they comprehend it not. You see, Santa Claus, they can see in that red suit. Why can we so easily convince a child of Santa Claus and not Christ? Because they can see him. This is a spiritual journey. We have a commission to go all the world and preach the gospel because it is the power of the gospel that changes lives. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto them which believe. We have the power of God resting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, whose gospel is it? It is the gospel of Christ. We preach Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again. There's a commission to go and tell a lost and dying world. Last Sunday morning, we talked about what is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the gospel, telling people about Jesus. One year, Bethany was about three years old, four years old, it was Christmas, I don't remember what year it was, and we had a Christmas Eve service, and, and uh, Beth was our number one church greeter. When she was three years old, she had no fear, and she'd walk around and talk to everybody in the church, just go around talking to everybody, and so we were, we were having uh, a Christmas Eve service, and there was some visitors from out of town, and, and they, they said to her, they said, Oh, and, and little girl, what's Santa Claus going to bring you for Christmas tonight? And she looked at him, she goes, there's no Santa Claus. Those people about died in the pew. I mean, <gasps> it was bad. They, they were astounded, and we were abusive parents because we didn't teach them about Santa Claus. We taught them about Christ. Somebody said this, and I never thought about it like this. What if you teach your children about Santa Claus and when they get to be about 10 years old, you say, wow, there's really no such thing. That's all make-believe. But let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, is this another joke, Mom? Is this another fairy tale? Let us be careful. Let us be careful. We have a commission to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice also there's a cost. John said he must increase but I must decrease. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He must increase. I must decrease. John was saying, I will soon pass off the scene. I don't know if John knew that he would give his life, that he'd be headed for the gospel. I don't know if he knew that. But he knew this, that his ministry would end. That he would no longer be relevant as Jesus Christ is increasing on the scene. That he is the preeminent one and he is to receive all the glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For, one, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to you every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. 
In a day of celebrity preachers and, and missionaries, we need to be reminded what Paul said, I am nothing. He who plants and waters is nothing. But it's God that matters. There's a cost. We must be willing to give up ourselves and our reputation and our fame and rather be crucified in the flesh. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. A sacrifice has no will of its own, but it is given for the cause of another. Are we willing to give for the cause of Christ? It may cost you something. My wife determined years ago, she said that uh, we put out, you know, people put out Christmas cards, Christmas, and that's all, we was just talking about that. And we put them out in the hallway here, and we have boxes, and we put out Christmas cards. And some of you will go out and buy 30 Christmas cards, and you'll say, well, there's, there's, I got 30 close friends, I'm going to write them a card, I might mail some, I might put some at the church. My wife said years ago, she says, every person in the church is going to get a card. I don't want anybody to feel left out. And she says, she says, so if they're going to get a card, we're going to make sure that we get them a card. And so, praise the Lord, I'm going to tell you, as the church grows, that's getting more expensive. <laughs> we got the church directory, and there was uh, 187 names or something in there. Counted it out, and I said, oh, my heavens, son. So I went, we bought 200 Christmas cards. But I appreciate her heart. Everybody's going to get a card. We don't want that dear widow lady to think that she's not loved. We don't want that teenager that comes every week faithfully to think that nobody cares about them. So let's make sure that we're not just giving it to our closer friends. Let's give it to everybody. Let's tell everybody that they're loved. It may cost you something. It may cost you something. I appreciate sometimes you'll see a family come to church and they'll bring some visitors with them and you'll, you'll end up seeing them later on in the day they've taken them out to Swiss Chalet or something. I appreciate when it costs us something to share Christ with another. But it's not just sharing Christ, it's sharing Christ's love. Letting them know that you care, that you're concerned for their eternal soul. There might be a cost. You may never be famous. That doesn't matter. You may never, you know, if God calls you to, to you say, I, I got the Sunday school class, but we only got six kids. Praise God for the six. Praise God for the six. Hey, they might be Sunday school teachers and deacons and pastors and missionaries and faithful servants in a local church someday, so invest in those six. You may not have the biggest class. You may not have the most esteem, but you take what you have and you use it for the glory of Christ. It may cost you something. But then we see thirdly and finally, there's a calling. Isn't that the same as a commission? No, a commission is a command. A calling is a spiritual appeal. I believe that the apostles had both. There were times where Peter did what he was supposed to do because he was commanded, but we can see in the scriptures he didn't like it. When God let down that sheet and he says, oh, not so, Lord. I'm going to follow the commands. And Jesus said, no, now you have a calling. I want you to go to Cornelius. I want you to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, family there. And when Peter arrived and the, he shared the gospel with them and the Holy Spirit fell, he said, I can see now God is no respecter of persons. Can any man forbid water that these two be baptized 
for they received the Holy Ghost like we did at the beginning. Friend, we need to understand that there's a, not just a commission, not just a command, because some of us will go out and we'll hand out a gospel track and we'll put a gospel track in that Christmas card or we'll get a Christmas card that has a, Chris, a Christian message in it and we'll share that. It's like, okay, I've obeyed the command. But what has God called you to do? There's a spiritual appeal as well. In Matthew chapter five, I've, I've quoted this verse, let your light so shine. Let your light You know that light you have? Do you know what it is? It's the glory of Christ in you. You have no light of your own. Matter of fact, the Bible says that men love darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. We were plunged into darkness through sin. And the only light that's within us is the light of Jesus Christ as he shined into men. And his glory is revealed. There's a calling to let that light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Turn back to John chapter one. I want you to see what John's calling was. John's calling. Look, if you will, in verse 23. When you preach the gospel, the Pharisees get upset. And they begin to ask him, who art thou? Back in verse 19, the Levites came and the priests. Verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. What was his calling? To be the voice. He was not the word, but he was the voice. And his sole mission was to make straight the way of the Lord. Do you know how you make things straight? You remove obstacles. You remove stumbling blocks. You remove hindrances to sight. Sometimes I feel like I'm a better stumbling block than I am a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in a store while ago, Canadian Tire, and, and uh, it was, it's been about 10 years now. There was a lady there that had worked with my dad, and she was at the, at the front, Pat Heastaunt. And I went to school with her son, Joey, and she'd worked with my dad for years, and it was right near the end of her time there. And uh, a cousin of mine came in, a cousin, my cousin's wife, and she was upset about something she had bought and it was damaged when she opened it. So she wanted to return it. No problem, right? You have the receipt. It's only been a few days. Should be no problem at all. You go in, hand it in, no problem. But she thought she'd have to fight for it. So I was talking to her a little bit and all of a sudden, Pat turned to her and says, can I help you? And she laid that, it was, a, it was a, a jacket that she'd bought in the hunting section, and she laid that jacket up there, and she says, look at these seams coming apart, and I mean, she tore a strip out of her, like she had sewn that jacket herself. I mean, she ripped her up, she was cussing. I never said a word about her being my cousin to Pat when it was my turn. I just looked at her, and I said, Pat, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. She says, oh. 
says, Christmas brings out the crazies, is what she said. And the thought that occurred to me was, what if it wasn't a cousin, an unsaved cousin? What if that was another church member? What if that was me? We get angry about the silliest things sometimes, don't we? Especially when it's busy. Calvin and I went over, I told you we went to look at, so we needed something anyway for the church and we went over for Black Friday to look at, we were Canadian Tire and I saw a man carrying in a, a box, it was a return that he had. And I thought, oh, this isn't gonna go well. Busy is a shopping day of the year and you're gonna try to make returns and because that's what we do sometimes. We, we get so self-centered, don't we? I gotta get the right thing. Have you, ever, have you ever seen those videos where they open them doors on Black Friday and everybody wants the Tickle Me Elmo? And they will beat you to death to get the last one. I mean, they fight. Where is Christ in that? Nowhere to be found. Where's Christ in your Christmas? So as we think about this calling today, I want you to consider John's calling to make the way straight. And I know that that's his calling. I know that that's what was directed to him to proclaim the name of the Lord, the voice crying in the wilderness. But are we not all called to preach the gospel? And a gospel that will be heard is so much easier to hear if we are living a life that's not an obstacle or a stumbling block, that they can see Christ in us. So what is your Christmas challenge? Let us make way straight the ways of the Lord. Look at one last passage and we're done. Verse 35. John chapter one, verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looked upon Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak. And what did they do next? They followed Jesus. John did not have a very good philosophy of building his church. Look, everybody, there's somebody better over there. I'm just, I'm just the voice, he's the word. I'm just a lamp, he's the light. I'm just the one that is pointing people to Christ. I'm just the best man. He's the bridegroom. Are we pointing people to Christ? We have a commission. There may be a cost. And we definitely have a calling. Father, love, we love you today. and We thank you for loving us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful and clear witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an opportunity with so many people in places and family coming together and Christmas cards going out and an opportunity to invite people to different church activities. God, the time is ripe. Lord, may we not wait another day to share Christ with someone who needs him. Father, bless us as an invitation time may be a time of commitment for us as a church to hold fast to the word of God, to hold fast to the preaching of Christ, to hold fast to the witness and testimony of the gospel. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you make that commitment today? Maybe you could go home right now and you could find that email and forward it to somebody. 
erase all that stuff at the top. Maybe put a personal message there. Hello, friend, I'd like you to come December 9th, December 10th. I'll take you out to lunch. I'll sit with you. I want to encourage you. Maybe you'll write a Christmas card this afternoon with the gospel in it and take it to your neighbor. What can we do to share Christ this Christmas?